Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Over the next few weeks, we are running a PCOS series. So if you have PCOS, stay tuned over the next few weeks. And if you know someone in your life who has PCOS, I would absolutely love if you would share the podcast with her. PCOS is a hormonal condition which isn't well understood, marked with symptoms like irregular periods, absent or irregular ovulation, sometimes weight loss resistance, hair growth, or acne. In my opinion, PCOS needs a rebrand, and in this week's episode, I discuss the similarities and differences between hypothalamic amenorrhea, or HA for short, and PCOS, and how you can ensure that your diagnosis is correct. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health Chats. In today's episode, we are discussing the differences between hypothalamic amenorrhea, or HA for short, and PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. So in clinic, I find that there is a lot of confusion around the overlap between these two conditions. And I see uh, HA, or hypothalamic amenorrhea, often being misdiagnosed uh, as PCOS. And I can see why this happens when we look at the diagnostic criteria for PCOS. There are a lot of similarities um, and crossover between HA. However, it is a really big deal if this is actually being misdiagnosed for PCOS because when we look at the conventional uh, guidelines or standard of care for PCOS, um, a lot of what women are recommended is very detrimental for HA and, you know, can actually uh, cause harm or more harm, I I should say. Um, And whilst, of course, it's not intentional, it's really important that we're aware of this crossover so that if you do have, you know, either HA or PCOS, you can be across this and you can be asking uh, the right questions and making sure that, you know, your diagnosis has actually been done correctly and getting a second opinion if you need to. Now, I want to preface that as a nutritionist, and I've said this before, it's not our role um, to diagnose any conditions and it's certainly outside our scope of practice. So we're not able to do that. Um, legally, uh, but we can talk about the diagnostic criteria with our clients. So that's something that I do. If, you know, for example, I have a client come to me and I think it does look like HA or it does look like PCOS, I will say, you know, it's not up to me to provide this diagnosis, but um, perhaps you want to go away and talk to your GP, doctor, gyno, whoever's um, overseeing the case as well. Um, So let's go through some of the, let's start actually with the diagnostic criteria for PCOS. So what's used currently to diagnose PCOS is something called the Rotterdam criteria. Um, And it states that you need to have 
two out of three of the following in order to classify for a diagnosis of PCOS. So number one being polycystic ovaries. Obviously, that's um, in part where the name comes from, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, And basically, this means that there are many cysts but rather follicles, that's a more accurate term, Um, many follicles on the ovaries which are picked up on an ultrasound. So currently that is part of the diagnostic criteria for PCOS. Um, Part of the problem with this is that there are plenty of other reasons why that can happen and it can actually happen in women who don't have any kind of, you know, hormonal issues as well. So um, that particular part of the diagnostic criteria, in my opinion, is very confusing and potentially, you know, needs to be re-looked at. But currently that is part of the diagnostic criteria. Um, number two on there is um, signs and symptoms of androgen excess or um, androgens measurable on a blood test. So androgens are hormones like testosterone and DHEAS. Um, and the symptoms of androgen excess would be those classic uh, you know, PCOS signs and symptoms such as the hair growth, um, the acne. I also see that the acne is often on the back or the chest rather than the face, but it can be the face as well, of course. Um, and sometimes this comes along with weight gain, but not always. Um, other symptoms will be hair loss as well um, from the head. So if you know you're showering and clumps of that are coming out in the shower, that can be a symptom of androgen excess. Um, and I should mention mention as well, you know, that you can't. There are other hormonal imbalances in which you can have an androgen excess, but it's not necessarily PCOS as well, if, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, PCOS is quite a specific uh, condition. And the other um, factor here in the diagnostic criteria is irregular or absent menstrual cycles. So if you meet two out of three of that criteria, technically you do qualify for a PCOS diagnosis. So where this gets confusing is that when we look at HA, which is hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, and let me just explain what that is uh, as well, is HA is basically a breakdown between the communication between your brain and your ovaries. um, And that presentation is generally the absence of a menstrual cycle altogether, so no period at all. Um, But quite often, um, or at least at the start, you'll see cycle irregularity and then it might lead to um, an absent menstrual cycle or maybe you're getting your cycle like a couple of times a year, for example. Um, The thing with that as well is that it can often also present with polycystic ovaries because remember polycystic ovaries just basically means many follicles. So you can actually have, you know, many follicles on the ovaries, which basically is just telling us that the body's trying to ovulate during a cycle um, or trying to have a cycle and trying to ovulate, but that's not being achieved. Um, So there's just at one point in time when that ultrasound is being performed, many follicles on the ovaries. So it it doesn't really tell us too much. Um, And in some cases of HA as well, we will also see um, unusual hair growth as well. So that would be that, you know, sort of typical symptom of androgen excess. So that's where it gets really confusing um, that technically a lot of people with HA can actually fit in to the PCOS diagnostic criteria as well. So it would be very common for a woman with HA to have 
um, missing or irregular periods and polycystic ovaries, which technically means, yes, she fits into the PCOS uh, criteria. So why this is so problematic is that with HA, uh, most of the time, um, part of the root cause of that is going to stem back to, you know, a history of under-eating, over-exercising, and being too stressed. It might not be all of those things together, but that's typically the the clinical picture that we'll see, you know, might be multiple nutrient deficiencies, um, but basically, you know, an over-output for the amount of input going into the body, so overdoing it essentially. Um, and typically with HA, not always, um, these uh, women are underweight for their body. Um, and they might not necessarily think that, but, uh, essentially the body is unable to have a menstrual cycle a lot of the time, um, due to, um, under eating certain macronutrients or perhaps being a little underweight, um, in, in body weight. So, um, why that's so problematic is then when we kind of, you know, flip back over to PCOS and have a look at what is the standard recommendation Sometimes it will be the pill and, you know, hopefully we can all appreciate um, why that strategy is really just kind of sweeping the problem under the rug for later on and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. Um, but the other recommendation is metformin. So metformin is a drug which is prescribed to um, type 2 diabetics in order to help them control their blood sugar. So why is this being recommended to women with PCOS? Well, can clinically it's sort of only recognize that the only cause of PCOS is going to be insulin resistance. Um, and so in prescribing metformin, you know, this would help to control that insulin resistance. I don't agree with that for a number of reasons, um, largely because, you know, we know we can correct insulin resistance with our diet. So why are we turning to a drug anyway? Um, but outside of that, there are other causes of PCOS as well. Um, that metformin is simply not going to help with. And a lot of women that I talk to in clinic um, get substantial gastrointestinal issues with it. It affects egg quality. So if you've, um, you know, if your fertility is on your cards and, and part of your goals, um, it's going to impact that. Um, and then, you know, of course, if you, if it is a dietary issue and that's not going to be addressed, well, in years to come, you're probably still going to end up with type two diabetes and liver function issues anyway. Right. So we're not addressing the root cause once again. Um, and yeah, basically women are being sold metformin, like it's some kind of magic pill for PCOS. And in some instances, it does work um, relatively well, but I've found, um, and again, I could totally be biased because women are not coming to see me when they're happy with the recommendations um, and solutions that they've been given, right? So I, I, you know, I only hear one side of the story, but I often hear that it works for a period of time and then it doesn't work anymore. So the issue um, with that being prescribed to a woman with HA is, you know, basically that she doesn't have an issue with blood sugar. If anything, maybe her insulin's even too low. Um, and so that's just going to cause a whole host of um, secondary issues and definitely not going to help her get her period back. So it's really, really important to understand that there are similarities between these two uh, different conditions, um, but there are some really important differences. So in PCOS, 
normally we'll see a thickened uterine lining. Now, obviously there's no real way to, you know, you can't check this on your blood test results, um, but you might be able to, or it might be reported in the ultrasound if you've had an ultrasound done. So it will be noted that there's a thickened um, uterine lining. And if you are having a period every now and then, it will typically be very heavy um, because there is a thickened uterine lining there to shed. So the reason that that happens is because if you're not ovulating frequently, uh, you do not have that natural progesterone um, uh, fluctuation each month that's going to help balance out those estrogen levels um, and is going to thin the uterine lining. So basically estrogen is just unopposed and it's doing a wonderful job at thickening that uterine lining uh, and there's nothing there to really counteract that. So in PCOS, we see a thickened uterine lining. Um, in HA, we'll see the opposite. So actually see a thin uterine lining. So if you've had an ultrasound, um, that would be a really key thing to be asking about, you know, what does my uterine lining look like? If it's not being reported on there, you know, you need to be asking your doctor or the sonographer um, performing the the ultrasound about that or to, to at least provide that in the documentation for your doctor to be giving you that information. So that's a really important um, point of differentiation. The reason that it's going to be thin in HA is because typically we're going to see low estrogen as well. So um, just low hormones altogether with HA. The other really important thing that we can look at um, in blood testing is that in PCOS, we'll see a high LH to FSH ratio. So LH is luteinizing hormones. It's going to be high. Um, whereas in HA, we're going to see low LH to FSH ratio. So that's, again, something we can test in blood that's really quite easy to, to spot. Um, the other thing here is that um, with PCOS, there's some possible risk of bone loss, um, but less so because we typically still going to have um, some, uh, you know, level of estrogen in circulation. Um, whereas in HA, as I said, going back to why we see that thin uterine lining, we're going to have much lower estrogen levels. So you're going to be much higher risk of bone loss. Um, the reason for this is that estrogen actually stimulates our what's called our osteoclasts, which are basically our bone making cells. So without estrogen, um, without adequate amounts of estrogen, which is what we see in HA, um, we're going to be more at risk of um, increased bone loss. Um, the other difference here, which again, this one's got a bit of an asterisk because it's a not always a difference. Um, PCOS eight times out of 10 or 80% of cases, it's estimated um, are you know metabolic cases of PCOS, which basically means that there is some issues with how the insulin um, hormone is functioning, how it's being produced. And this is actually kind of that root cause or at least part of the root cause because there can be multiple with PCOS. Um, so if we're testing uh, insulin and it comes back really high, and for reference, I like to see it between three and five, um, and it's coming back quite high, well, we're going to be saying, okay, we're probably looking at everything else as well, of course, leaning more towards a PCOS diagnosis. Um, now, if we are looking at HA, uh, typically we're going to see low or normal uh, insulin levels. So that's another difference. Um, that does come with a bit of a caveat though, however, because of course um, there are other reasons or causes behind PCOS. So we can have, you know, adrenal PCOS or um, underlying thyroid issues, or of course, multiple things as well. So there's some key um, differences that are less 
obvious. Um, so these are not things that are going to, uh, let's say, not things that are going to show up on the outside of your body, like say hair growth. Um, but these are things that we can ask more questions about um, through testing uh, or even ask our doctor about to, to do some more testing if needed. But it's really important to differentiate between the two because I do often see uh, there being a misdiagnosis of HA for PCOS and it's really problematic for those women because, of course, it's not going to lead to them getting their period back um, and the advice that they're then being given is actually quite um, detrimental and damaging to their health. And I do have one example of this this year, or many examples actually, but the one that I'm going to talk about in this episode um, was a client who came to me and uh, obviously does have amenorrhea, um, but she, of course, did have some of those signs and symptoms of PCOS. And when I was going through the documentation that had been sent to me, from her gynecologist, it was noted on the paperwork that she had been diagnosed with PCOS um, and she had actually been prescribed metformin. Um, for context, generally for us as practitioners, when we take a good case history um, and we can see the context of that person's life over the last few years and when this uh, issue, health issue originated, uh, it's typically pretty easy for us to tell which one it is just through understanding a bit more about that person's lifestyle, food intake, exercise output, all of that. It's generally quite clear. Um, and I was quite sure that she did have amenorrhea um, based, on, based on that intake, but she had been prescribed metformin. And I said, you know, I just don't think that that is an appropriate recommendation. I'd really love if we could just get your insulin levels tested and look if they come back high, you know, obviously, you know, feel free to discuss that with your, with your doctor, but if they come back low, it's just simply not a suitable recommendation. And lo and behold, um, obviously we want that insulin between three and five and hers came back at two. So had she have taken that, I hate to think what would have happened and how she would have been feeling day to day um, because she definitely would have had a lot of uh, low blood sugar incidences. But anyway, moral of the story, the PCOS diagnostic criteria needs to change um, because there's obviously a lot of confusion out there and it is um, leading to a lot of confusion among our PCOS and HA ladies. Uh, and the other factor here, I think, is also just, which I've said before on the show, but PCOS, the name needs a total rebrand because it's obviously very confusing that polycystic ovaries are kind of a bit of a neither here nor there really in terms of um, in terms of what it means for the condition, but it's such a key part of the name. So yeah, it needs a rebrand. We need to change the diagnostic criteria and we just really need to take it upon ourselves to understand the differences between these two conditions if um, PCOS or HA is relevant to you uh, because ultimately no one cares about your health more than you do. And it's really important that you can ask more questions of your healthcare providers and ask for more tests um, if needed. That wraps up this week's episode. Later this month, um, doors to the PCOS pathway uh, are going to be opening, which is my six-week 
course for women with PCOS. So if you'd love to jump on the wait list for that, you can find the links for that in the show notes. Um, Equally, you'll find a link there to take a quiz, um, which will tell you which type of PCOS you most likely have and also which tests you should go away and ask for. That's it for this week. And if you have any questions at all, I would love if you would come and find me on Instagram and feel free to send me a message because I always love to chat. Before you go anywhere, I wanted to let you know about a new quiz I have available. If you have PCOS, you're going to want to listen to this. I've created a quiz to help you work out what type of PCOS you have. You see, the mistake many women are making with their PCOS is what I like to call the throw spaghetti at the wall strategy, which basically means you're doing all the things and getting none of the results. So I've created this quiz to help you unpack what's driving your PCOS so that you can get the right tests done and then implement not all, but just the strategies that are actually going to make a difference for you. To take the quiz, all you need to do is head to www.selendouglas.com dot com forward slash PCOS hyphen quiz, or you can also find the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.